Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. This series. Now, we're going to be taking a, a second look right now at Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11 today. And there's going to be a word that's going to pop up in this sermon today. Uh, actually, in the passage today. And the word is flesh. Now, i got to be honest with you. Like, when I think of flesh, I think of, like, medical things. I think of, of you know, open flesh wounds and stuff like that. And it's, it's kind of nasty to me. I don't do well with that stuff. Um, in fact, there was a time, this was about, I think it was about four or five years ago now. Uh, we, would, we had just kind of recently moved uh, to Janesville. And I took my four daughters and my nephew, Owen, to Briarcrest Park. And my, my nephew, Owen, he's, like, he's a junior in high school right now. He's, he's big and strong and all that stuff. He wasn't quite as big and strong then, but he was tough. And I realized it on this, this day. Because what happened is we get there, and on the playground set, there is a, there's a wooden plank on the playground set that was totally busted. And there were, like, shards of wood coming out of this thing. That's not good at a little kid's playground. And so I, I told the kids, I'm like, hey, kids, just, like, stay away from there. Don't go near there. And sure enough, like five minutes later, my daughter's like, Dad, Owen hurt himself. Of course he did. Owen would do that. And so Owen's hurt. He's got a flesh wound like all up and down his leg. It's, it's nasty. Now, if it was my kids, I'd have been like, okay, kids, get in the car. We're gonna take, I'm going to take you home and, and mom's going to clean this up. But I'm thinking, okay, this is not my child. I, I, want, I want my sister still to let me hang out with this kid. So I gotta, I'm going to clean this sucker up. That was the worst decision of the day. So I, I'm like, okay, well, i got to have something in the car. I, I look in the car, and there's a little first aid kit in the, in the glove compartment. There's some bandages and stuff. And, and I'm like, well, I, gotta, I probably should clean it. I don't want him to get infected. I'm like, this is big. I don't know if like, he might get a staph infection or something. So what did I find? I found some alcohol wipes. Yeah, we already know where this is going. And I'm like, okay, there's some alcohol wipes here. Like, come over here, Owen. I'm going to clean up. He's like, isn't that going to hurt? I'm like, ah, no. It, like, it might sting a little bit, but, I mean, what else would they put this in this here first aid kit for if it wasn't to clean up a flesh wound? And I'm telling you, I, I put one little dab on his leg. And this kid's tough, but he started screaming like I was amputating his leg. It was, and it well, I'm, but then I'm like, well, Owen, I've started. I've got to finish this off. I've got to get this thing clean. And I'm telling you, me and, my, me and my daughters were laughing so hard. I know that's really evil. But even through his pained almost tears, Owen is laughing. Like the pain was that intense that he's like laughing and crying. So I found out that day, you don't clean a big flesh wound with alcohol wipes. But the good news is, I don't think he got infected. So... There is, there is that one good thing. Now the term flesh that we're going to read in this passage, it is not talking about a flesh wound. All right? It's talking about something else. And we're going to look at that in a, in a minute. But I want to read this passage, verses 5 through 11, Romans chapter 8. It says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. 
It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I said last week, Romans chapter 8, it is like thick. And as I read that, some of you, maybe you're like, um, you lost me at verse 5. We're going to kind of try to walk through this a little bit today. Um, now again, there's this word in this passage called flesh. And, and it's actually this Greek word, sarks, that is translated as flesh. But here's the problem. Even in our own language, flesh has many meanings. And this, this word sarks, it is a prime example of a difficult Greek word to translate into English. You know, you think about the English language. We have, I saw people... Yes, you're already laughing. I say English and not English. Get over it. All right? I say it the right way. I say it how it's spelled. All right. There are words in the English language that have multiple meanings. You could say bit. And bit might be something that you put in a horse's mouth or it might have to do with something with a computer. Uh, You could say the word left and you could be talking about a direction that you go or that you went away from somewhere altogether. You could say the word play, and play might have to do with something that happens when you go to a theater, or it's something that kids do when they get together. Or the word park. It could be somewhere that you go on a, on a sunny, beautiful day. It could be the thing that you do with your car. If you're really old like my parents, it could be something that you did on a date. Yeah, don't go there. We don't call it that anymore. Kids, if you don't know what I'm talking about, talk to your family. Don't talk to your family, actually. So obviously language, it's, just, it's, it's really tough at times for us to take these words and understand what they mean because there's these, these multiple meanings. So what exactly does the word flesh mean? Now some of you who've been in church a long time, a lot of your life, you might be thinking, okay, I, kinda, I think I kind of know what flesh means the way that Paul's using it. Um, some of you may be like, I've, I haven't been in church and I still don't get it. Now there's another uh, version of scripture, or another translation that translates this word sarks into the sinful nature. Um, That the flesh is our sinful nature. There's a way that that Pastor David explains it that I think if you're visual, a visual learner, maybe this will help you a little bit. But so you got the word flesh, uh, F-L-E-S-H. And what he says is you take the, the H completely off of that word. And that H stands for him, for Jesus. Okay, so we've taken... We've taken Jesus off the word flesh, and now you take that word, and the words that are, letters that are left in flesh are S-E-L-F. So flesh is actually yourself without him, without Jesus, living for yourself without Jesus. And I thought, okay, that that makes some sense. There was another uh, commentator who actually says it this way, living in the flesh is living in a narrowly human way. I really like that way. Uh, that when I'm living in the flesh, I'm living just in this narrow mindset of what me as a human, what I want. God has nothing to do with it. And what God wants from me has nothing to do with it. That's what Paul's trying to say when he's talking about living in the flesh. Um, 
Now this passage, when we actually look at it, it's actually fairly straightforward. What Paul's trying to say is that when we live in the flesh, when we live for ourselves without Jesus, we are primed for destruction. It's going to lead that way. But when we live in light of the Spirit, there is life and there's peace that we're going to find when we're living in the Spirit. There ultimately exists in people, if they've not if they've not given their lives over to Jesus, and this is one thing that I think is really important to understand about what Paul's saying here is, he's saying that life in the Spirit is, is this, but we only have the Spirit if we've chosen to follow Jesus. And the Bible's really clear, the moment that we cho- choose to follow Jesus, we're given the Holy Spirit. But without that, we live a hostile life towards God. There's really no other way about it. And so, what is the answer to living a life uh, that isn't all about ourselves? What's the answer that God has for this this human nature in us? This fleshly kind of living that we all seem to be born into. There's got to be an answer for it. And I think part of that answer is really shown in this this part of Romans chapter 8. I'm going to skip around a little bit between, from verses, kind of going back and forth between these verses a little bit just to try to mesh them together. But I want to start here with Romans 8, 9. It said, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Paul is telling us here how harmful the flesh is. How harmful that living for ourselves without Jesus is. But then he gives us hope. And here's what he's saying. He's saying we have an antidote to the flesh. We have the Holy Spirit. We have that thing that, that can, can give kind of this correction to this thing that we've been born into. And that correction is the Holy Spirit. He says that you live in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And what I love about this is... It, his use of the word if here, it's not trying to, to bring doubt into our minds. Like, hey, if you've got the Holy Spirit, I don't know if you do. He's not saying that to the Romans. See, these Romans, this is the Roman church. They have chosen Jesus. And so when he says, if you've got the Holy Spirit, he's saying it in this context of, no, you do. You just have to understand it. You have to believe it. You have the Holy Spirit. And so he's your antidote. But it would have been easy, I think, for these these Christians in Rome, uh, to look at this and say, there is just, there's too much evidence to the contrary uh, that I'm living in the spirit and, I, and that I'm not living in the flesh. Just like everybody else, man, I, I do so much stuff that I shouldn't do. Paul, how in the world am I not a fleshly person? You know, Paul even talked about it. We talked about it last week. We'll probably talk about it most weeks. Romans 7, the chapter before this. Paul had gone on this big conversation about, man, I, I even do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I know I should do. Uh, but even in that, Paul is saying, he has the Spirit of God in him. Even you and me, the church in Rome, when we've accepted Jesus, we have the Spirit in us, even though we see some of these fleshly things coming out in us. And so for Paul... What this is, this is all a reworking of how we think as people of the Spirit. Truth is, a lot of times we don't even think of ourselves as people of the Spirit. We think of ourselves and, man, I, I do everything wrong, I can't do anything right. And he's trying to rework that thinking in us. When I've chosen the way of Jesus, and, and he has given me his Holy Spirit... What happens is there are, there are now no 
there's no stopping the heights that Jesus can lead me to from that point forward. But it's something that we've got to start to believe. In verse 2 of this chapter, Paul actually talked about the Spirit as being the Spirit of life. And Paul refers to, to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of life because the Holy Spirit gives regeneration and renewal all the time, over and over to people. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit is all about in our lives. He carries on the purposes that God has of bringing redemption to us through Jesus Christ, his Son. And we have, we have access to that redemption all the time. No matter what depths the flesh in you has, has gone to, God is saying right here, you have the Spirit. You have everything in you that you need to get to a better place. Verse 8 actually tells us that those who are in the flesh, who are controlled by the sinful nature, are actually unable to please God. Plain and simple, that's, that's what we were before Jesus. But once we come to Jesus, all of a sudden, everything changes and we live in this different realm. You are completely capable in any moment to be able to please God with the way that you live your life. Now that is not the way that most of us think about it, right? You know, sometimes we feel like there's something else that's controlling us. But the truth is, is that, that we, have, we have the Holy Spirit in us and it, it does something different in us that, than what we, we tend to believe. Some of you might be thinking, Kellen, I don't feel like I'm always capable of pleasing God. I, I don't feel like I'm dominated by God's Spirit, that, that He is in control of me. And I think we need to change, change the framework of the way that we think about this. God has a control of our lives. And so here's what I want us to understand. We are not simply belonging to the Spirit. We are actually controlled by the Spirit. Now, when I say that, that we're controlled by the Spirit, some of, some of us, like, we don't even like the sound of that a little bit. As a kid, man, we used to, we used to think that we were, we were in control of everything. You got these adults around you, and you somehow, as a little tiny child, thought that you were smarter than them. And that you can control every situation. I'm amazed how little tiny five-year-olds are like, I'm smarter than you. I'm like, huh? no, you're not. Let's take a test. Right? And they think that they can control everything. And so even with my own kids, they might, they might ask me for my phone so that they can play a game. And sometimes I say no. A lot of the time. Sometimes I say yes. But even when I say yes, they will find a way to try to play that game longer than I said they could. They will try to control the situation. But guess what? They're in my realm. Like you might control the situation for a little while, right? But there's going to come a point where, nah, you don't, you don't control this. It's just like this idea of, uh, of controlling this realm. It's, it's like what happens in a king's kingdom. Like it is his realm and ultimately he might not control every little thing that happens. And people might not do everything exactly the way they're supposed to, but he has control over it all. And that's, that's really what... Paul's saying here about the Holy Spirit that he has realm over, we are in his realm once we've committed our lives to Jesus we now live in the realm of the Spirit the idea of being under the control of a parent I think gives us insight into what this control of the Holy Spirit actually looks like for us we are under his control and again that might not be a thing that we like to hear there's something about being an American we don't like the idea of like somebody has control over me. But here's the thing. As a follower of Jesus, 
we actually live to a different standard than, than this American standard. We're all about freedom and that's awesome. But the truth is, when I live under the control of the God who created me, that is the ultimate purpose and destiny from which I was actually created for. And it's, it's something that, again, we may have to re, reframe how we think about what it looks like to be in, be in control of our lives. Even if you're okay with the idea of, of God being in control of you, you might be saying, yeah, but I don't reflect that control. And that's true. A lot of times we don't reflect the control of the Spirit in our lives. But it is a fundamental thing for us to understand that it is a fact that as a believer in Jesus, we are under his control. Verse 10, it says, uh, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. That's not because of the righteousness that we have ourselves. That's because of the righteousness that, that Jesus lived out for us and gave over to us when he went to the cross for us. The spirit has complete control over, over all of our future, over everything. And here's the thing. He has complete say in what, in what our lives are going to become. He, he gives us the righteousness that we couldn't have on our own. And so as someone under God's control, stop telling yourself the lie that you are in control. It's going to make obedience much easier and it will cut down on the, so many self-inflicted wounds that we put on ourselves. But I also want to say this. Don't just stop telling yourself the lie that you are in control. Some of us, we need to stop telling ourselves the lie that Satan's in control. That the enemy is in control. Sometimes that we, we, do, we do stuff that we know we're not supposed to do and like, it's like I'm not even, I have no control. It's like, it's like this enemy darkness has control over me. And that's, that is not what this passage is saying. God has control of our lives. Romans 8, 6 says this. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Verse 6 here is talking all about mindset. Setting your mind to the thoughts and desires of the flesh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to yield disastrous results every single time. But setting your mind under the control and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit is going to bring you life and peace. When Paul says that the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace, he's actually using a, a Greek word here that is, is called phrenoma. Phrenoma. And what I love about this is the word is actually talking about, it's talking about intellectual activity. Setting your mind, setting the intellectual ability of your life, the intellectual activity, setting your mind on the spirit. But it's also talking about your will. And sometimes we don't talk about that enough as Christians. Like, like oh, I'm just going to trust Jesus to do everything. Uh, sometimes we have to set our will to the spirit as well. So I'm setting my intellectual activity and I'm setting my will towards the towards this Holy Spirit rather than the fleshly things. That is about setting my mind on the things that God wants me to set it on. Have you been feeling a lack of peace in your daily life? If you have, I'd ask you this. What has your mind been set on lately? Because the real problem for us most of the time is uh, when we're missing that presence, that real presence of peace in our lives, the problem usually is that we have not cultivated within us this spirit-led, spirit-minded mindset every single moment of every single day. And so every so often, we have to stop and ask ourselves, I think one of the most important questions that we can ask ourselves, and it's this, how am I forming my mind? 
What am I doing with my mind? Um, this is crazy. We live, we live in this world where you can get information all the time. It's the age of information. 24-7. You can ask Siri something and she'll tell you what's going on. It can also be super annoying. Uh, my, my parents came up for Christmas. And here's what I love about both my mom and, and Crystal's mom. They will do whatever they can to sleep in the room where my daughters are at for a night. Just so my daughters can hang out with them more. My mom will tell them stories. She'll make up stories. She's crazy uh, in how she can just make up stories. And my girls will all sit there and just listen and be captivated by it. Uh, but one of the nights, uh, she, so she was going to be sleeping in a room with Abby and Cameron. And we got the girls to bed super late. It was probably like 10, 30, 11 o'clock already. And I hear them upstairs, and we've put the two little ones to bed in the room next door. And all of a sudden, my mom is screaming out the following. Hey, Siri, what is German for Merry Christmas? And I'm like, what is that? It scared me a little bit. And then she did it again. She did it two more times after that. Like four times. And I'm sitting there next to my dad on the couch. I'm like, is this normal? And so I go up, and I'm not, I'm not super proud of what I did. I went up to the room, and I yelled at my mom. I'm like, Mom, you're going to wake up the young ones. Be quiet and go to bed, please. <laughs> my mom didn't like it. I wonder why. Um, she, looked so, she looked like hurt like a tiny puppy. And I actually, I actually felt really bad for a moment. And then she stuck her tongue out at me. And I, I just didn't feel as bad anymore. Uh, but there's something, and I actually, when I, I, was, I was listening, I, I actually say my sermon into my phone and so I can listen to it while I go for runs and stuff. And I was listening to it in the car on the way to Beloit last night. And when it came to the Hey Siri thing, Siri started talking to me on my watch. It messes me up, people. I don't like that stuff. But yeah, yep, right there. I told you. Don't say those words while you're preaching, everybody. We have so much information at our disposal. So much information at our disposal. The problem is a lot of the time, the information that we are taking in, it comes from one direction. Now, I'm not talking the band. If you're getting your information from the band one direction, there's another issue you've got going on. But it's coming from one direction. And a lot of times, the information that we're getting in life, it's coming from kind of a fleshly sort of view. I want to I put it this way for you. Everybody, we've all got phones uh, for the most part, and we've all got the ability to put apps on our phones. And for most of us, um, I, I don't know if this is just an iPhone, but it'll pop up this thing that says, do you want this app to be running in the background all the time? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to answer no to most of the apps. But here's what I find interesting. I think that the fleshly mindset is like this app in our lives that's constantly running in the background. Everything that goes on around us, it is, it is a fleshly sort of mindset that is trying to speak into our lives. And so what we have to do is we have to find ways to, to bring up the app of spirit-minded things. Because the only time we're, we're, we're really being affected, our mind is being spoken to by spirit things, is when we've got that app right in front of us and it's open. Spirit stuff doesn't run in the background like all the fleshly stuff does. You know, we get, we get all this information from one direction. We, we look at one kind of news source that, that kind of tells me what I want to hear about the world. We, we watch one kind of television show. We, we, do, we wa read one kind of book. 
But the truth is, a lot of this stuff, it's not going to always be the spirit-minded stuff that we need to be going after. Uh, we might go th- for five minutes and do our devotional in the morning. And if you're like me, when you're doing that, a lot of the time, I got other stuff playing on through my mind. And so I'm not intellectually engaged with this supposed spirit moment where the spirit is trying to speak into my mindset. And so if all I give are those five minutes a day to spirit mindset kinds of things, I got 1,435 more minutes throughout the day where it's, it's actually this background of the fleshly world that's speaking into my heart and my mind. So we have to be careful about that. If God's spirit really does live in you, and it does if you have chosen the way of Jesus, if God's spirit really does live in you, there needs to be something that we're feeding it. We just can't get away from it. We've got to be feeding life into this spirit mindset. Spirit, stop it, Siri. Spirit lives in us. It's our job, though, to engage with our minds the Holy Spirit. To engage our will with the Holy Spirit. Because so much of the time, if we don't, our minds and our will is going to be engaged with the fleshly world around us. Romans chapter 7, again, Paul discussed uh, all these mess-ups in his life, how he did the things he didn't want to do and how he didn't do the things that he wanted to do. But then he makes this point. He says, at least there is this desire in me to fulfill God's demands, even if carrying out those demands is kind of deficient in my life. We can't fully expect to look like our lives are spirit-led at all times. You know, a kid can be confronted by their parents saying, man, you've, you've just had a really bad attitude lately. And if the, kid, if the kid has it in their heart to do the right thing and to be, have a good relationship with a parent, a lot of times a kid for the next three days might be like, oh, all right, I'm going to have a good attitude. And all of a sudden the kid is out of their room and they're, they're coming and they're, they're ha- having good interactions with the parents. But after about three days, what starts to happen? They go back into those old habits. Same thing with spouses. You start to change something that has been addressed to you for maybe three days, maybe three weeks even. Little by little, uh, if there's not this lasting heart change that's taking place, uh, we start to go back to our old habits. Real change requires holding on to the life of the Spirit that is in us, and we actively have to disengage from the life of the flesh that still has a pull on us. I wish it didn't have a pull on us, but it does. Uh, Worshiping you guys can come up here. I'm, I'm just, just about done here. But today what I want to do is, I, more than anything, I want to remind you that God's Spirit lives in you. Sometimes we forget it. That God's Spirit actually lives in us. If we have chosen to follow Jesus. And I want to say this. If, you've, if you're here and you're like, yeah, I've, never, I've never chosen to follow the way of Jesus. Right now today, if you, say, if you want to say, man, I, I choose Jesus and I, I accept him as my personal savior, the Holy Spirit enters in at that very moment. And from that moment, we actually have the Spirit in us and we can live a different life. Um, but even though the Spirit lives in you, you're not going to be perfect. But you definitely don't need to run and be ruled by the sinful tugs and pulls that are in our lives. It's possible to see Jesus redeem all of these areas of your life that you're looking at and you're like, it's just, it feels like a lost cause. It's possible for your spirit to become in sync with the spirit of God. And so what I want to do this week is I want to give you a goal this week. The goal is this. 
This week I want us to repeat this idea. I want to repeat the idea of God's spirit lives in me and there is nothing too difficult for him. Maybe you get up in the morning and that's the first thing on your, on your brain. God's spirit lives in me. There is nothing too difficult for him. Whatever that thing, that fleshly thing that you're struggling with, that, uh, a desire that you don't want to have there, maybe it's lust. You wake up and you say, God's spirit lives in me. Lust is not too difficult for him to handle. God's spirit lives in me. Anger is not too difficult for him to take control of. God's spirit lives in me. My sadness is not too difficult for the spirit to take control of. Because he has control of our lives. But sometimes we just have to believe it. And here's the thing. Change can happen. We've got to believe that God can do the change and that he is living inside of us to do that change. That's, that's our part. God does the rest of it. God does the hardest part of all. And so that's kind of what we're talking about this, this whole series is changing the way that we think. Committing to believing things that maybe we have not always believed perfectly up to now. Uh, so I want to pray with you and then uh, we're going to sing one last song and, and let's just make that our commitment. Say, God, your spirit lives in me. Nothing's too difficult for you. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.